Is my microphone... There we go. We're on. I was feeling switched on. Now, the emoticon for trust. I'm surprised you don't know it, Scott. There's little praying hands. There we go. Anyway, if you weren't here earlier, don't worry about that. We're now going to pray. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you we can be here this morning. And we just ask that you would speak into our lives so that we would trust you with all of our life in this coming year. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're looking at Psalm 16 this morning, the first of our Psalms for the Soul. Uh, It should be a great journey through January. I'm just doing the first one. We've got two special guests coming the next two weeks, Ray Galeer and Pete Nelson, both uh, outstanding speakers. So do look forward to those. And then Scott, who's also outstanding, uh, will be here the following week. But it's always nice to have a guest, someone from outside. Today we're going to look at the whole issue of trust and I think it's a very, very helpful topic to look at as particularly we start the year. It's the 4th of January and a Happy New Year to you all. Because I think trust is one of these fundamental realities of life. Now I don't know if you've thought about it this way, but every day that we wake up we're called upon to exercise trust pretty much all the time. Um, If you didn't trust people you literally would not walk out the front door. And I know some people... um, worry and suffer with anxiety and to trust is a very difficult thing but you think with me about how trust is integral to all of life you think about God God has revealed himself as father son and holy spirit and within God you have if I can say perfect community the father who is the head the son and the spirit in community together and the father leads the son and you see that in the gospels that The son prays to the father. And one of the most profound prayers is really the most profound expression of trust that you'll ever see. It's on the night before the Lord Jesus dies. And he's in the Garden of Gethsemane contemplating his impending death at the cross, which will be gruesome. And not just gruesome, where he will face the father's wrath. He knows exactly what's about to happen. And he says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And it is one of the most profound prayers of trust as he entrusts his life into the hands of his father who he knows he is about to meet and face his wrath on behalf of humanity. Not what I will, but what you will. Uh, You think about marriage. Every day for those who are married, as you go off uh, on your way, be it to work or to whatever it is that you're doing, you trust that your partner will be faithful to you in your marriage. And as I leave the door, I trust that my wife will be faithful to me in our marriage to love, protect, to honour, etc., etc. And so with Kath, as I go out to work, she trusts that I'll be faithful to her. And there's all sorts of issues where marriages can break down because people are unfaithful. And the whole relationship is based on trust. You think about work as you go off to work. Um, You trust if you are an employee, that your employer will treat you well. Uh, You trust that you will be paid properly. Uh, You trust that they'll provide for you conditions of employment that are proper in our Western world. And as a boss, you trust that your workers will come and they will work properly. They will do what they said they will do. And so you cannot work in the world without having to engage in trust. Just think about driving a car on the road. 
I've forgotten my pictures. Here we go. Uh, driving the car on the road. Now, one of the most chilling ads that I've seen this holiday season has been the one for taking breaks and not falling asleep. Have you seen that ad? And the car is wobbling on the road, and they say, is the driver drunk? No. The car continues to wobble. Are they, if I can say, chemically assisted? No. They're just tired, and the ad ends as the car veers off the centre of the road into oncoming traffic. You don't see the collision. It's very chilling. And I don't know if you've thought about this, but when you drive out the driveway, you literally are putting your hands in the life of others. You are trusting that they will obey the rules of the road, just like you will. And so it shouldn't surprise us that when you come to the Christian life, at heart, it's a relationship of trust. And to be a Christian is profoundly to be someone who entrusts their whole life into the hands of our God and Creator. And Psalm 16, it's a wonderful song. And it's this song that gives you, if I can say, an inner insight into the life of King David and the way he trusted God. And so if you've got your Bibles there, do open up with me. We're at page 538. 538, Psalm 16. Our first song for the soul. Let me read verse 1 and 2. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you I have no good thing. Now what you see at the start of this psalm is the fundal affirmation that controls the entire song. Apart from you, Lord, I have no good thing. You are the one that I take refuge in. Now, a refuge is a safe place in a storm. It's a place of protection. To be a refuge as a person is to be someone who protects others. And what David is saying is, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. You are the one that I entrust my entire life with. I trust you, that you will be my protector, my provider. And this song plays out in three ways. And it shows us, and you see really David's affirmation, that as he trusts God, God brings security to our lives. Secondly, as we trust God, God protects us from death. And thirdly, when we trust God, he will actually fill our life with joy. Let's have a look at those three things together. Firstly, we trust God because he brings security to our life. Let me ask uh, yourself this question. Ask yourself this question. What makes you feel secure in this world? Let me ask it in a more pertinent way. What makes you feel secure today? Uh, Is it that your health is well today that you feel secure? Now, having good health is a great blessing, and we do have a sense of security when we wake up and we feel well. Uh, Maybe it's that you've got a roof over your head that you own. There is a great sense of security in having property here in the world we live in. You may be in a rental property, you may have been there for a while and you think, yes, we're secure. It may be that you think you've got money in the bank. It's interesting, we have to trust the banks, don't we? At a deeper level though, um, I think we feel that we've got security in this life because we've got ability to earn and work. And we think, I'll be right. 
I've got money coming in. I know I've got capacity. I know I've got qualifications. I know I've got experience. And we'll be okay because I can earn money. We can think, yes, uh, my health will sustain me. We may think I've got an insurance policy to cover all sorts of emergencies. And there's nothing wrong with risk management. It's a good thing to do. But the psalmist says there's a deeper reality to life. The reality is that God is sovereignly in charge of this world. And he is the one that we must look to and trust in. Have a look at verses 5 and 6. I've got them on the screen. You alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. David, who wrote this psalm, knew the reality of times of blessing, but he also knew the reality of times of of trouble and challenge. He'd known the insecurity of failed relationships. He'd known what it had meant to be abandoned by his superior. King Saul, somewhat of a father figure, who he grew up underneath in terms of army life, literally turned on him. He knew what it meant to be the talk of the town, but he also knew what it meant to be on the outside and chased out of town. He knew what it meant to be afraid as he was pursued by his own countrymen. He knew fear. He'd stared Goliath down in the valley. And he says that God is the rock of his life. In you I take refuge. And you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I've got a delightful inheritance. Now, cups are very common objects for us. We drink out of them all the time. Uh, They have a special symbolism in the Old Testament, the period where this psalm is written. And they could be a symbol of blessing or a symbol of judgment. And you could be, if I can say, forced to drink the cup of God's judgment. When God pours out his anger, he is pouring out from his cup his judgment. And a famous um, example of that being referred to in the scriptures in the New Testament, when Jesus goes to the cross... And he says to his disciples who want to follow him there, now you cannot drink from the cup that I'm about to drink from. You see, because he's about to drink from a cup of judgment where God's wrath will be poured out on him at the cross. But the cup is also a symbol of blessing and of prosperity. And there is a cup that you drink symbolically, uh, David is saying, which is that we are drinking blessing from God. Now, again, in the New Testament, you see the cup of thanksgiving is referred to in the communion service. We're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper today, all with our own little cups. They are symbolically a cup of blessing in the sense that they remind us of the blessings we have in the Lord Jesus Christ through his blood poured out on our behalf. And David says, actually, when I sum up my life, it is God who has blessed me. It is God who has blessed me. Lord, you have assigned to me my portion and my cup. And he recognizes that the portion he has and the cup that he drinks in the sense of the way life has turned out for him has come from God. 
and that he is the one that he must trust in. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And I love what he says in verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. And what he recognizes is that all of life happens under God's control. God has assigned the portion that he gets. The blessing that flows. Where the boundary lines fall. And because of that, he knows that God will be looking after him. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. I have set the Lord always before me. You see, his total orientation of life was to say, God, you are in control. I will trust you. And because of that, he knows God is at his right hand and he will not be shaken. And that's why I think this is such an important psalm to read and reflect on as we start the year. Every year we set out again on the journey through life. And it's fascinating how life works. There are seasons to life, aren't there? I think particularly this time of the year, it's a time where we stop. It's a time where we reflect. And I think particularly in the Southern Hemisphere where you've got the summer holidays, there is the real sense of which the start of the year coincides with rest periods, which I think is a helpful thing. And we can stop and reflect on where is life going? Uh, my wife and I went down to a coffee shop to try and do that on New Year's Day. And our son came and joined us. And that was lovely. We could talk to him about the year ahead. Now, we still need to have another coffee to uh, continue the conversation, as in Kath and myself. But one of the realities is shaking does come in a year. Shaking does come. And you see, David is recognising that because he's saying, I will not be shaken in the sense when the difficulties of life come... I will have strength because God is at my right hand. And every year, I get to witness so many different pastoral situations in our church. And we have over, I think, 800 adults and kids who call St. Matthew's their home. And every year, I see people who go through financial shaking as tough economic times hit. Every year, I see that there's relational shaking as conflict in personal relationships rear their ugly head. Every year I see that there's employment shaken as people lose their jobs unexpectedly and are suddenly thrust into trying to find work. Every year there's health shaking as sickness and cancer suddenly strikes people. Every year there's family shaking as families break up. And people look for answers. I am very pleased to say that we've had very few of those happen here at St. Matthews. And where do you turn to when these things happen? Where do you find strength when your whole life is being shaken? Listen to what the psalm is saying. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I remember profoundly when our world got turned upside down in 2007. I'd worked for 14 years at the church we belonged to in Illawarra. But it got to the point where it appeared that for reasons outside my control, and I can honestly say not related to my performance uh, in terms of ministry service there, I realised that I thought I would need to leave the church and find a new position. 
for reasons that have taken place in terms of the employment and the new possible senior minister, etc., etc. And there was no sense of uh, impropriety or anything like that. It was just a very clear realisation that we needed to look elsewhere. But the reality was, uh, at age of about 42 or 43, I had no idea where we would go. I had three children at that stage. Well, we still have three children at this stage. It's worth saying that. And we're not expecting any more, save a miracle from God. I remember having to tell the kids, they were 11, 13 and 16, that actually, and they knew what was happening. Uh, kids actually have no idea where we're going to go and live and where I'll work. And you may not realise this, you can't just ring up and ask for a job at a church. Uh, I had believed that it was to be a senior minister position and you actually can't ring up and apply for them. You have to be invited to them and invited to apply. And the reality was there weren't many jobs available. And it's a very sobering thing to have to tell your kids, um, actually, I don't know what the future holds. And we had some discussions about where we could possibly look. And one of the funniest one was from one of my children who said, anywhere but Sydney. <laughs> she was prepared to go overseas as a missionary. And I remember telling them we just need to trust God and pray that God would guide us. I think that was November of 2007. Two months later, I remember... Uh, feeling quite overwhelmed because I didn't have just one job offer, I had two. And it was really quite miraculous the way it came about. One of them obviously was the job here at Manly. And we felt very called to come here. And um, I can only say with great joy we accepted. But it was a very difficult period to have to go, I don't know where we'll be. And the answer meant uprooting my family and moving. And you might think this is the most wonderful place in the world to move to, but honestly, when you're a child and you've got all your friends and the youth group is pumping, uh, it was very difficult. But I can stand here and testify today, God is our refuge. And I know many people in this congregation would have a similar testimony. You see, the great reality is when we trust God, he actually brings security to our life. And I want you to look at those verses. Lord, you have assigned my portion and my cup. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. And I have to say, I wake up every morning here and I actually wonder how on earth did I end up here? Uh, I've got friends who labor away out in the wild, wild western suburbs. And here I am at Manly by the beach. And I tell you, when I go and hang out with my colleagues who I went through college with, I do feel guilty sometimes. And I've told them that. And they just say, oh, shut up, Bruce. Just go and preach the gospel there, will you? You're exactly the sort of person who should be there. But I wonder this morning, can you testify along with David that the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. And I think one of the things we need to do at the start of the year is not just reaffirm that we trust God, but take stock of our life 
and give thanks to God for where we're at. And the reality is the boundary lines fall in different places for all of us. And one of the problems, I think, of the world we live in is the effect of modern marketing. It is to deliberately make you feel like you need more and that you're inadequate with what you have. And I think what we need to do at the start of every year is actually stop and say, no, I am blessed as I am. The boundary lines are in pleasant places. And I tell you, I wake up every morning and think, I am incredibly blessed to be here. And I think anyone who lives here in Manly should be waking up and saying that, how can we serve you, God? Because you have so richly blessed us. And I just want you to stop for a minute now. And I want you to name five blessings in your head that are currently being experienced in your life under God. As you start the year, stop thinking about what you don't have, what you want, where you could be, and actually start the year with a deep sense of trust. God, I just thank you for all that you've blessed me with. And say with the, the psalmist, actually the boundary lines are in pleasant places for these reasons. Let's just stop for a moment and reflect. Never forget that all the blessings we have flow from the gracious hand of God. And we trust our life to him. Secondly, we trust God because he protects us in death. Verse 9 and 10 are very well-known verses in the New Testament. Let me read them to you. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. And you see, the security in life that God provides is not just for this life. It's importantly protection in and through the reality of death and decay. And you see, what David is saying is we will not be abandoned in death and we will not see decay. It's interesting, he acknowledges the reality that we will face death. But there's a greater reality for the person who trusts in God and we know that in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. When death faces us, we will not be abandoned to the grave. Now, again, as we start this year, here is some sobering truth to reflect on. Now, all of us are one year older than this time last year. All of us have decayed a little bit more unless you're under the age of about 21. After that, I reckon it's just a downhill run. Now, I turned 50 this year, and I must say, it took me quite a while to get comfortable with that reality. And I was talking to the 8 o'clockers this morning and I said, to, I know you think that is just child's play, the number 50. They're talking 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. But all of us have came. 
And one of the most sobering things for me is I realise that every year there'll be people from this church whom we bury. And every year that we start the year, there's some people who are not here who were here last time this year. And it's one of the realities you can't escape from, particularly with our 8 o'clock congregation. There are folks who are, if I can put it this way, promoted to glory. But their promotion goes through the gateway of death. And these verses are profound. Because David affirms, you will not abandon us to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. And these verses are picked up in the New Testament and they're used on a number of occasions, particularly about the Lord Jesus Christ. In the first sermon that was ever preached after Jesus' resurrection, the Apostle Peter picks up these particular verses from Psalm 16. And he quotes them and then he says, Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of Christ. That's what he's saying about David. That David is actually speaking now about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of the fact. And you see, this is the great hope we have and the great foundation stone for our trust. And it's why we can have confidence in life to walk out the door every day and face life, if I can say, with trust and hope and be able to serve in this world. Because there is a foundation stone that we rest on. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, he was not abandoned to the grave. His body did not see decay. His body was resurrected, overcoming death, conquering sin. And he did that for us so that we can live with great confidence in this world knowing that death is not the final enemy that we are powerless against. But rather, we will not be abandoned in death. We will not see decay. We'll be resurrected unto eternal life. And I think at the start of each year, we need to reaffirm our trust in the living God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to say at the start of every year, I actually trust in you, Lord Jesus. I trust you for the forgiveness of my sins. I trust you for eternal life. I believe that you rose from the dead and I again give my life to you. You are my refuge. You are my safe hiding place. I will have you at my right hand. I will serve you all my days. Friends, do you know that trust and reality in your life? and the certainty that it brings as we start this year. Because, friends, if you don't, that would be one of the most marvellous things to work out in this year, how you can have that certainty and trust. And we would invite you to join the Simply Christianity group that starts at the beginning of February. Friends, turn to Christ and trust in him. The last great reality is this. Uh, when we trust God, he fills us with joy. And I think this is remarkable because, if I can put it this way, you don't really know the reality of you trusting God, I think, until you actually go through tough times, until your world gets shaken. You see, it's one thing to say, I trust God when life is well, when the bank account is healthy, when there are no trips to the doctor, when the family gets on, 
and a life is rosy. I mean, who can't say they trust God when life is like that? You actually only discover the reality of your faith when it's put to the test, when your world is shaken, when health issues do come up, when financial issues do come up, when employment issues do come up, when you are confronted with the reality of struggle and opposition and even death. And this is the incredible thing. As we put our trust in God in the times of shaking, he will give us his presence and his joy. And you see this here in the psalm, verse 7, I will praise the Lord who counsels me or guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. And so as he is learning and receiving revelation from God, even at night, he says, I'll praise the Lord. Verse 11, the last verse in the psalm, you make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And I think one of the great strengths that is given to us to enable us to trust and to cope in times of shaking is God gives us his very self and he gives us joy. Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is my strength and Nehemiah knew all about being shaken and put to the test. Paul says it's a gift of the spirit. It strengthens us. Peter says that when we reflect on the wonder of the gospel and our salvation, our joy is inexpressible and glorious, and that is in the context of opposition and suffering. That he said those words. Joy in the Lord is fundamental to our Christian life, and it gives us strength to cope and to trust when our world is being shaken. And it's counterintuitive. But it's incredibly real. I remember that year of 2007 well. We came up to Sydney on holidays early. And at this point, I was invited to do a, uh, an interview with St. Matthew's Manley. And I remember reading my Bible that morning, thinking, I wonder what would happen. And the verse I read was this. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honour the one who serves me. And I didn't know what would happen. But I remember thinking, yes, I want to follow Jesus. And the promise is that Jesus made. It's in John twelve twenty six. My father will honour the one who serves me. And he gave me a real sense of peace and joy in that period of great uncertainty. And it was like he was saying, just trust me. Trust me. I'm your refuge. It'll work out. But it worked out in ways that were beyond my imagination. And I would say to us all this morning, as we start this year, may God be our refuge again. May he be our safety. May we be able to say that the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. And when times of shaking come, as they inevitably do, may he be close by at our right hand, 
because we trust him with all of our life. Let me pray. Father, we do thank you for all your blessings. You have assigned our portion, our cup. You've set the boundary lines in pleasant places. May we recognize that reality in our life. And may you be our refuge, our strength, our hope. And in particular, in times of shaking, we pray that as people go through them, as we go through them, that you would be our joy and our peace and our comfort. In Jesus' name, amen.